We, um, so if you will, uh, without further ado, would you stand and welcome Pastor Apostle Robert and Stacy? Come up, Stacy. I'll, I'll, I'll let Robert introduce you. Oh yeah. And uh, we are honored. Thank you. Let me get your mic here. Thank you very much. God bless you. He likes handheld mics. Old school. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And well, I'm old too, so. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, amen. Well, you may be seated. It's good to be here. We are so delighted and privileged and honored to be uh, here at uh, Covenant Word Church, where God's doing great things. God's doing powerful things. And uh, I believe that you are right on time. I believe that you who are here in attendance this morning, that God has something special to impart into your life. How many of you believe that God knows your address? Even, with, even if you live in Key West, God knows your address. And uh, we, um, we're just delighted to be here. We love your pastors, Pastor Kevin and Diane. They are gems. They're a wonderful man and woman of God. And every day you need to thank God for this wonderful man and woman that you have here to pastor and to lead this flock, to lead this church. Um, for many, many years, of course, I was an associate pastor for years, and then, uh, but first of all, before I say that, this is my beautiful wife, Stacy, and uh, we have been married for 41 years now, so uh, yeah, 41 years, and uh, when you look at her, you know, it looks like I married her when she was 10 years old or something, but you know, uh, but we've been married for 41 years. We have three children. They're all serving the Lord. They're all married. We have nine grandchildren. And uh, they're all also serving the Lord. They're involved in ministry. Listen, I can't encourage you enough as parents to get your kids involved in the things of God. Uh, teach them how to pray. Teach them to worship. Teach them. Make sure that you have them here every time the doors are open. I'm glad that I was raised in a home where Sunday it was never asked, what, we, what are you going to do? We knew what we were going to do on Sunday. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so I knew on Sunday, you know, and you didn't say, you, at least in my household, you never told, uh, you know, daddy or mom, I don't feel good and I don't want to go to church. Uh, you might as well have cussed, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I wanted my teeth to stay in my head, so I made sure I didn't say that. And uh, actually, I had wonderful parents that uh, loved me, that brought me up in the, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But uh, we have raised our children in that same way. We've, we taught them to love the things of God, to love the presence of the Lord, to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, today, they're all worshipers. They prophesy. They flow and minister. Uh, our oldest son, Pastor Josh, uh, I call him Pastor Josh. I'm so accustomed to using that terminology whenever I'm fr in front of the congregation. But uh, Joshua, he, he actually, he and his wife just uh, yesterday or day before celebrated their 16th wedding anniversary. They have four children. But he is now the lead pastor at uh, our church, High Praise Panama City. I'm the residing apostle. Uh, and uh, but it's just wonderful what God's done. Our youngest son and his wife, and they have three boys: uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But anyway, uh, actually, it is. Uh, um, help me with their names. I'm in the pulpit. Le Levi, Gideon, and Reagan. Uh, Levi, Gideon, and Reagan. They are the. They are. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they all say. 
but uh, they pastor in Crestview. Uh, they started, we started to work in Crestview, Florida about uh, two years ago, and the Lord has blessed tremendously, tremendously there. The church has grown leaps and bounds, and they don't have enough uh, room any longer uh, in the building that they have. So those are good problems to have, but God's really blessed them also. So uh, I said all that to say, you know, I believe that this is not the message this morning, but listen, uh, it's very important that we have an understanding that our God is a generational God. He's, he revealed himself, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? And we have a covenant. How many believe you have a covenant with God? And listen, your covenant says that when you believe upon the Lord, that not only will you be saved, but that your children will be saved. Joel chapter 2 says that your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Now, it doesn't matter what's going on with your kids right now. You have a promise. doesn't matter what road they decided that they were going to take. Listen, it's a temporary detour, but God's got a hook in their jaw, and God's bringing them back in in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so if you have children that may not be living right right now, I want to encourage you today. Grab hold of the promise of God. War a good warfare with the promise of the Lord. And I know that, you know, as our children get older, they have a free will. They have a free will whenever they're young also. But I believe that God knows how to turn the will and the heart of a man. He, has, he, he can control the reins of the heart and begin to steer people in a specific direction. So listen, I want you to know that I'm adding my faith with yours today. And I'm believing God that every one of your children will be saved. Every one of them will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They will all stand according to Joel chapter two and say, it says your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Amen. We declared that over our children. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise for that. We declared that over our children whenever they, they were young, and they are still prophesying today. Hallelujah. Our daughter, Kayla, she has a very, very powerful prophetic anointing, and all of them do. All of them prophesy a lot, and so do their, so do their, um, their spouses. But uh, I believe that God is doing great things. I believe that there is a revival that God is sending. As a matter of fact, I believe that there are already, as we would say, like down payments. There are, there, are, there are sensing that we already feel, that we already sense that God is releasing something fresh from heaven. There is something fresh that God is releasing today. And I believe that God wants us to embrace it by faith and begin to run with it. Uh, I just want to say about this church, being in Key West and where you're at, and I was, you know, Pastor Kevin and I were talking uh, a bit as we were going, coming to the church this morning, and he was sharing some things with me. But I really just kept hearing this word gatekeepers. And I really believe that the Lord has called you to be, as it were, gatekeepers. And I believe that God has put you in a strategic position to where you are going to ward off many things that the enemy would desire to come in to the nation. But I believe also that God, because of your faithfulness to stand in the midst of adverse situation, that God is going to bring forth a blessing and an outpouring in the manner that you have never seen before. And I believe that we're going to see the prophecies. I hear the Lord saying, even words that have been declared in days past. The Lord says, surely I am even coming back to the words that were spoken of, uh, even before. For the Lord says, even I'm not a man that I would lie, nor the son of man that I would repent. 
but if I've said it, I will make it good. And the Lord says, surely I will perform what I declared, and surely I will perform what I said. And I hear the Lord saying that there is going to be economic growth here in this region and this territory. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause a sudden flux of people to even move back into the area. And God says, I'm going to fill the places. I'm going to cause homes to be built. And I hear the Lord saying, I'm going to even bring some young people. The Lord says, there's some young blood that I'm going to bring into this territory and this region. There are young families that I'm going to send. I'm going to move upon their hearts. And I hear the Lord saying this, Pastor Kevin, that some that have left, God says, I'm going to bring them back, says the Lord. And God says, even though that I'm going to move mightily by my spirit in this day and this season. And so the Lord says, even though the adversity has been strong, the Lord says, even my power is stronger. And the Lord says, even where there has been resistance, the Lord says, know that the dam has broken. And the Lord says, surely glory is flowing and a fresh river is even beginning to take off, says the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm going to sweep many into this river. And God says, surely there will be a great outpouring in this region and this territory. For God says, I'm targeting it in this re- in this time, in this season. So the Lord says, rejoice, even that which I am doing and that which you will see even in the days to come, says the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Can you give the Lord a praise this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I want you to grab hold of that this morning. Let's war a good warfare with that word. I believe that the Lord is speaking over this area and over this territory, over your life. And uh, I believe that God has some great things planned for this church. I believe God has some great things planned for this entire region and this area. You know, I I just feel like there's been some edicts of the enemy. I'm going to try to get to my what I came to preach in a moment, but I keep just feeling this stirring in my spirit. There's been some edicts that the enemy has made. And there's been even some edicts that evil men have spoken. And there's also been some edicts that people have in ignorance spoken. And the Lord is saying that I am erasing the edicts of death. I'm erasing the edicts of, of destruction. I'm erasing the edicts that have been declared by the enemy. And the Lord says, I'm causing a resurrection. And God says, I'm causing that which was dead to even come to life. And the Lord says, surely it will live. God says, I'm at the tomb and I'm saying, Lazarus, come forth. And God says, I am calling Lazarus forth in this season and in this day, says the Spirit of the Lord. Would you rejoice in the Lord this morning? Come on, rejoice in the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We say yes, amen. Let it be done in this region. Let it be done in this territory. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, the last two years have been crazy. The last two years, I think most all of us have probably experienced things that we have never experienced in our lifetime. The reality is none of us have, in our lifetimes, unless you, you've got to be, you would have had to be born in 1917. I think that was the last time that there was what would be termed as a worldwide authentic pandemic. And, uh, and so we've experienced things in the last two years that other generations have not experienced, that our, that our generation have not experienced. And uh, we've seen people both saved and unsaved act crazy. 
And I will tell you that there have been a lot of people that have gotten their eyes off of Jesus. They've gotten their eyes off of the Word, and they've gotten their eyes off of the promise of God. And I believe that God is calling us in this hour that we must begin to focus our eyes once again upon the promise keeper. We have to begin to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, because he who promised is going to be faithful to complete it in the end. And regardless of what may be noise abroad, and there's so many different voices that have been out there, and if you're on Facebook, I'm telling you, if you want an opinion about something, you don't have to scroll very far to find some. And as a matter of fact, many of them are crazy opinions. How many of you would agree to that? And everybody's got an opinion about everything. And I've got to the point to where just honestly, I don't really care about anybody's opinion anymore. The only opinion that I care about is what does God say? What's his thoughts on this matter? What does his word say about this situation? What is God declaring over our lives right now? Because hear this, in the midst of whatever is going on, whatever adverse situation is happening, his word will cause you to overcome what God says will cause you to rise up in power and strength in the midst of regardless of what the situation is. Amen? And we've experienced a lot of things. And uh, I'll I'll share some more details in a minute, but uh, October will be four years ago. We experienced a Cat 5 hurricane. Now, y'all know about hurricanes here. I think y'all experienced a Cat 4 hurricane, and was it Irma? Is that which one? Which one? 2017, and it did great damage here. Uh, We had a Cat 5 hurricane hit, direct hit our city. As a matter of fact, after it hit, I posted a picture on Facebook, and our house and our church is in the exact center of the eye of a Cat 5 hurricane with winds of 100, sustained winds of 170 miles per hour and gusts of 200 200 miles per hour. Y'all know what kind of damage that can do. And um, But anyway, it devastated. As a matter of fact, this uh, Hurricane Michael was the third strongest storm since 1851 that they have on record. The third strongest storm to ever hit the, the, uh, anywhere in the continental United States. And uh, as a result of that, uh, our city looked like... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. We had people that had come in that had worked hurricanes. They did relief effort and had been doing it for decades. And they said, we have never, ever seen anything like this in our lives, this kind of devastation. Uh, You couldn't drive on the roads, I mean, anywhere. Uh, for almost a week, we couldn't get back into the city. And I'm not going to give you all the sad stories that go along with it. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go here. Uh, the, uh, we actually evacuated whenever we heard the, that it was coming this way. We, we, we evacuated. We were live in a mandatory evacuation zone. We live right on the water there in Panama City in Bay County. And we evacuated. And the only thing we could do was we were watching the Weather Channel. And I'm sure, well, I don't know, maybe some of you had to evacuate during the, in these other storms. And it's, you know, it's, it's really heartbreaking whenever you're sitting there watching the Weather Channel and you're watching all of these things uh, take place uh, going on. And it's not the picture of, uh, you know, uh, 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 Jim Cantore standing out doing this while somebody's doing cartwheels in the back. Uh, but it's actually authentic damage. They're taking cover and uh, it, it was very, very bad. And so the only thing we were just praying, God, protect our, protect our people. God, protect our, all of the structures and, and things like that. And um, 
and, and, and praise the Lord, we came out of the storm and we were able to, uh, once they got power back on, even before they got power on, we were still, our building stood through that Cat 5 hurricane. Praise God. Amen. Now, uh, that really is a miracle. I, I, there's so many miracles that I could g- give testimony of, but this is where I'm going. Uh, immediately my mind began to think what's going to happen to our area, what's going to happen to our territory. Our, we had a major Air Force base there, Tyndall Air Force Base. They, had to, they shipped everybody out. As a matter of fact, for well over three months, they, couldn't even, they would not even allow the uh, military personnel to actually go back into the city. They had to stay at least 50 miles away from the base. And so there was a lot of obstacles that we faced. We literally lost one-third of our congregation overnight, just like that, a little bit over a third of our congregation because homes were destroyed, uh, all the military people were shipped out, a lot of uh, you know, things that were negative and that were adverse. While I was in Orlando, we, were, we evacuated to Orlando, and I heard the Lord speak to this, speak this to me. He, he, he spoke the scripture over in Joel that says this, of course, it says, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. But he says this. He says, I will restore to you the years. Mm, this is the word of the Lord. I will restore to you the years, Joel two twenty six. I will restore to you the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the caterpillar has eaten. And I felt the Lord speak that verse to me. I will restore to you the years that the canker worm, the caterpillar, and that everything that has eaten, everything that has stolen, I'm going to restore to you. The, listen, I believe that this is the word of the Lord for this church. God says, I'm going to restore to you the years. I'm going to restore to you the years. Years that you felt like you have lost, God's saying, I'm going to restore them to you. Time that you feel like that you've been lost because you've been fighting all the time. I'm telling you, God's going to restore your joy. He's going to restore your peace. He's going to restore years to your life even. Praise the Lord. Amen. But anyway, he said, I'm going to restore to you. And I began to do a word study on that particular passage of Scripture. And as you read that passage of Scripture, the word restore, there are two Hebrew words that are used that are translated restore. One is the word shab, which literally means, this is what it means. It means to bring it back to its original condition. You're just taking something back to uh, the original condition. But the word that is actually used there is the Hebrew word shalem, shalem. Now, what's interesting about shalem is that shalem is actually the root word for shalom, which we are very familiar with that Hebrew word. It is actually the root word. But what you find is whenever the word shalem is translated restored, whenever it is used in the Bible, get this, it is always in reference to you having more than what you had before. And the Lord began to speak this to me. He said, don't fear, you're going to have more than what you had before. And I remember the first service that we had within our building uh, after the power uh, began, uh, came back on. We, that was actually the second service that we had. The first service, we used generators. The second service that we were able to have, which is about three weeks, three and a half weeks after the hurricane. Uh, anyway, this song of the Lord began to come forth, and we danced all over the building, ran all over the building, and began to sing more than you had before, more than you had before. When you would, when you would drive through the city, the only thing you could see was blue tarps. The only thing you could see is destruction. All you 
you could see was buildings that had collapsed. All you could see is houses that once were there that were no longer there any longer. It was total destruction throughout the city. But the Lord was saying more than you had before. Now, there are so many things I could tell you about, but I want to get to this. Whenever before the hurricane hit, we had uh, about $750,000 of debt, which actually isn't that much considering we had 30,000 square foot of building plus seven acres of land, uh, paid parking. We, we have, I mean, God's blessed us so tremendously, and we give God all the glory for everything. It's not because of me, it's because of Him. And uh, I mean, the Lord has blessed us so much, and, uh, but we had $750,000 worth of debt and we had about a half a million dollars in the bank. And we're thinking, we don't know exactly what all the insurance is going to cover, what it's not going to cover, but this is what ended up happening. And remember this, the Lord spoke to me, said, you're going to have more than you're going to have before. You know, and also began to realize, you know, we got a third less congregation than what we had uh, before the storm hit. And so anyway, to make a long story short, within one year, within one year, our building was totally 100% paid off and we had no more debt whatsoever within one year. Not only that, everything was repaired and was actually done better and it looked better than what it was before. And not only that, we had double the amount of money in the bank than what we had even before the hurricane hit. My friend, hear this. God has the ability to do supernatural things. God will do what he promised. God performed a shalom within our lives. God performed his word. I said that only to say this, not to beat myself on the chest. It's to brag on God and let you know the same God who did it for us, he'll do it for you. And regardless of the adversity, that you have faced, that we have all faced. I'm telling you, I'm commanding that the devil has to repay on the heels of COVID. I declare in the name of Jesus that anything that was stolen as a result that God is going to restore and it will be better. There is a shalom that is coming into your life and it will be better than it was before. Y'all excuse me while I preach a little bit. You know, I used to teach. Something happened to me though and then I started preaching. You know, many times I'll get up in, our, in, our, in the pulpit and I'll say, I'm going to just teach today. Well, it never happens. So I just, okay, well, praise Lord. We're just going to let it flow, let it go, and let the Holy Ghost do whatever he wants to do. Amen? Amen. At the beginning of this year, uh, of course, really was actually the end of 2021, I always, you know, begin to pray and seek the Lord just for a word that, God is speaking, God is saying many times it may be the same thing that I, he had been saying previously. I don't believe God is necessarily on a timetable. And, you know, on January 1st, then God says, okay, I'm going to do something different now. You understand what I'm saying? And so anytime we say, well, you know, a word of the Lord for a year, we're really talking about what the Lord is saying for the season that we're in now. What is God speaking? It's not, it's not something that this, you know, it couldn't happen until January 1st, and then, you know, you've got a, a time limit on this. December, it better happen before December 31st, or it's not going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying for this season that we're in right now? What, what are you saying that's going to carry us through this year, that's going to give us momentum, that's going to move us forward? 
And I, this is what I heard the Lord say for this year. And I, again, this is what I felt for our church, but I believe that this is a word for the body of Christ. And may I say that when I was praying about, Lord, what do you want me to share? This is what God brought me back to. And this is the, the, what the Lord brought me back to is that 20, 2022, this year, the season that we're in right now, it is a season of renewed vision and restored dream. God is renewing your vision and restoring your dream. I believe that God is speaking over this house today that God is renewing your vision and restoring your dream. Because of all the things that have taken place, you know, uh, I, 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 to be honest with you, it seems like many times pastors have been very, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to be as discreet as I can in this, we're so busy many times trying to make everybody happy in one sense of the word, making them happy, because I will tell you that we had in our city, we had two different extremes. We had some people that if you did anything to try to mitigate, then, you know, that was no faith and you had no faith. And then the other people, if you didn't do everything, uh, you know, that was uh, possible and a little bit more and everybody stayed 10 foot from me, then you weren't doing enough. And then they wouldn't come to church. So we had these two extremes that were working all the time and uh, working many times against each other. You know, and I will tell you, many pastors I've talked to, it literally, uh, as a matter of fact, I know some pastors that decided that they wouldn't pastor any longer, even I'm sure some even pastors here in Key West uh, shut down their churches and forget it, you know, uh, goodbye church, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. You know, but we made a decision, you know what, we are not going to lose sight of what God has said and what God has spoken. And I believe that God, in the midst of everything that's taken place, in the midst of all the adversity we've all faced over the last several years, God is wanting to renew your vision, and he's wanting to restore your dream. I believe that God wants dreams to come alive. I believe part of the word about resurrection is that God is God's resurrecting your dream. Because some of you have lost sight of the dream that God first of all placed in your heart. The, 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 the vision that God first placed within your life. And the Lord is saying, pick up your vision once again. Begin to, begin to meditate upon the dream that God has given you because God wants to fulfill it but you're going to have to grab hold of it and embrace it. Psalm 126 verse 1 says this. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I, I'm just... This, I'm just sharing out of my heart. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to give you some type of polished message this morning, okay? And so this might not be real polished, uh, but I do believe that it will be anointed. Praise God. Uh, Psalm 126 verse 1, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, Whenever he brought deliverance, when he brought them back from the place of captivity. You know, has anybody felt like in the last two years, it seemed like there's been a lot of captivity. Can't go outside, can't drive your car, you know, can't, can't go to restaurants. You know, there's not people working. They're afraid they're going to catch something, not going to get this or whatever. And, uh, and on all the, 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 again, the craziness that's going on, there's been a captivity that we've experienced within our lives, within our families, within all sorts of things. Um, just just on a side note, Pastor Stacy and I, we actually had COVID twice. Uh, both times we got them from family members. So, you know, you, you begin to question, well, should I get around even family? Uh, but the, but the, when the Lord brought back, I believe that God's bringing back captivity and bringing us back from that place of bondage. Amen. Amen. Listen, COVID's under our feet in Jesus' name. Amen. All sickness is underneath our feet. All right. 
And uh, I mean, there, I know there's a lot of heartbreak that people experience, you know, during this. And I don't want to make light of anything whatsoever because we, uh, we had a family member actually pass, uh, you know, because of it, and uh, a um, our our daughter-in-law's father. And so, uh, so I, we, I, I get it. I understand all the things that transpired in the midst of all the situations, and there's a lot of captivity, and the enemy took advantage of a lot of situations. But we're declaring in the name of Jesus that everything that the enemy has stolen. It's got to be repaid in the name of Jesus. Pastor said it this morning, Jesus already paid for it. It already belongs to us. Restoration belongs to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, whenever the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. See, one of the first things that's to happen whenever you get set free is God wants you to dream. I believe that God wants you to dream once again. You know, just because you live in Key West doesn't mean you can't dream, praise God. See, you live here. We dream about going to Key West. <laughs> and, uh, but the reality is, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. I've had people tell me, well, you know, that prosperity stuff, that works if you live in certain places. But if you live in other places, then it doesn't work. And you know what? I can't find any type of geographical limitations that God places upon his promises. And so I don't care where you live. God will still make you the head and not the tail above and not beneath. I don't care where you live. God will still bless the work of your hand. It doesn't matter where you live. God will bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So he says, we were like those who dream. So one of the first things that I believe that God's wanting to do in this season, God's wanting to restore your dream. He desires for us to dream once again. Listen, God has a dream for this church. Amen. God has a dream for your family. Do you believe that today? God has a dream for your life. And by the way, you don't necessarily, you're not going to necessarily have to move to New York City to see that dream fulfilled. You're not going to have to move to LA to see that dream fulfilled. I'm not saying that you're going to be here forever. You know, we know, we recognize that. We have people that come in. They're there for a season in our church. We impart into them. We, we sow seed into them. And then, you know, God moves them on and we, we bless them. Praise God. And uh, thank God we're, you know, as it's been lately, we've been able to keep more than, than we send out. But that's just a part of being an apostolic hub. You're going to send some people out. But anyway, as a matter of fact, let me go ahead and say this. I believe that God has called this church to be like a seed bed. And you're going to have people... You're you're going, to sow, you're going to sow seeds into this community, seeds into this territory, seeds into this city that you may never, ever actually see the harvest. But I'm telling you, there is a great reward that God is going to produce within your life because you were faithful to the call. I'll tell you, it takes, a, it takes some people that are cut out of a unique cloth to be here and continue to war and continue to fight. I commend your pastors that after, what, 30, 30, how many years? 30? 32 years. They're still here. They're still waging war against the kingdoms of darkness. They're still taking a stand and raising a banner for Jesus in this area, in this territory. And thank God for a church that will still preach the word. I don't know if you realize or not, those are rare commodities today. Finding churches that actually are full gospel, those are hard to find today. We got churches that are, you know, one-eighth gospel. You know, y'all understand what I mean by that? About one-eighth of what you see going on in the service you can find biblically. The rest of it is nothing but Reader's Digest and a pep rally in order to get you through the week or really to pacify or to anesthetize you in the present situation that you might be in. And here this, the church 
Mm-mm. The church is not called to be a place of entertainment. It's called to be a place where you enter in. Amen. Amen. It's not called to be, God, God didn't ordain the church to be a place where you're pacified. No, it's to be a place where you are edified and built up, amen, and made strong. It's not to be a place where, you know, somebody puts a bottle in your mouth. No, it's to be a place where sacred cows are destroyed and annihilated, and then we have a barbecue and have some meat to put on the platter, amen. <laughs> I said this before, you can't, have a, listen, you can't have meat in the house of the Lord without killing some cows, right? You got to kill some sacred cows. And, you know, so many people today, they got their sacred cows and, you know, they, they bring their sacred cows to church and then lead them back home and feed it a little bit more. They, in the way they feed them, they go find the, something on the internet because listen, anything that you want to believe is out there on the internet. I don't care what it is. I tell you, you can, you can find verification and you can find some type of justification for just about anything you want to do today. It's there on the internet and people will point to it and say, there it is. That's the, listen, just because you read something online does not mean it's the truth. Anybody can have a platform online. A five-year-old can have a platform online today. Just because you read it, and just because they put doctor, I listen, I have a doctor degree. But just because somebody has a doctor in front of their name doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Right? They don't half the time. But anyway. Well, well, all right. He says, we'll be like those who dream. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. God is saying, I'm restoring your dream. I'm restoring your dream, Covenant Word Church. I'm restoring your dream, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Diane. I'm restoring your dream, Saray. I'm restoring your dream. And everybody else that's here, praise God, that I don't know your names. I've met y'all. Uh, Jeff, God's restoring. See, God's restoring your dream. How many just lift your hand right there and just say, Lord, re- restore my dream. Come on, just say, Lord, restore my dream. Say, Lord, I receive a restored dream today in Jesus' name. Listen, I want our kids to dream. I want your kids to dream. They need to have a dream for their lives. Amen? And it goes on to say, then our mouth was filled with... With laughter, you know, one of the byproducts of dreaming is you'll have joy. A a dream will cause you to have joy. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Listen, I believe that God's renewing our vision. I believe God's restoring our dream today. And listen, a, a restored dream begins with a renewed vision. You're going to have to stop looking at everything around you, and you're going to have to start looking at the promise. You got to stop looking at all the crazy stuff and spending all your time. I, if I could, if we could get believers just to spend half the amount of time that they spend on Facebook and social media in their Bibles, are you hearing what I'm saying? It, I, 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 we, I read this recent thing, and they said that that. The average person spends at least six, average Americans spend six hours a day online. Six hours a day. The average American spends six hours a day online. That could be email, uh, any other kind of internet uh, purpose, social media, which is where it seems like most people live. You know what? And you can't even find, and also in some of the same actual uh, surveys, they found that most Christians don't read their Bible one hour in a week. Got quiet in here. As a matter of fact, 
the majority of believers, this was a survey from um, about 15 years ago, the average believer only attends church 20 times a year. 20 times a year. That's less than once a week. That's less than once every two weeks. And how many of you know, as believers, I don't think that's the case for the folks that are here within this church body. But you know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and do it all the more as you see the day approaching. Can I tell you, one of the things that the enemy has attempted to do in the midst of the pandemic and all the other things that have taken place is to separate the people of God and to cause them to stay home. Now, if you're watching, this is, I don't know if those are the cameras right there, but if you're watching via the live stream, I am so glad today that you're watching the live stream. And maybe you live in a place where you can't actually be in this house. But if you live close by, if you live across the street, if you live five miles away and, you don't ha- and you're not going to church, you need to be in the house of the Lord. You need to come to the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's a hug from me to you. Praise the Lord. But I'm not saying that to condemn anybody, but listen, we need each other and we need human touch. We need human touch. That's a whole nother message. I, I, I think sometimes people don't realize that we actually need one another. I'm going to say that again. We need one another. Now, some of you think that you'd be okay just in your, you know, lazy boy at home watching a service online. Well, probably not you, but a lot of folks do. But the reality is, you know what? God has more for you. God wants you to actually touch people, right? Uh, How many of you men are glad that you're married? I mean, you men that are married, you're married. How many men are glad that you're married? Men, men, are you glad? How many of you are glad that you have have a beautiful lady that you can reach over there in the middle of the night? And, and, you know, you got somebody, and you, and this is the reality. Humans were not created to function by themselves in the absence of human touch. It's actually been proven scientifically that babies need touch. As a matter of fact, you can feed babies the same thing, but if you don't touch them, some of them will actually die. That was proven, and I don't have time to get into that also, but we need one another. We need human touch. Well, the enemy has attempted to bring that separation in the body of Christ. You know what? And I believe that there needs to be a restored dream. And with that restored dream, I'll say this as a pastor, part of my dream is seeing the body of Christ come together, seeing people gather once again because we need one another. Amen? Anyway, that's just a side note. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know that you all know this passage of Scripture. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God has a future for you. God has a dream for your life that he already has mapped out. We just have to embrace it, and we have to align ourselves with God's dream for our life because that is the place of blessing. That is the place where we will see God do so much for us, and that is the place where we will be fulfilled. Hear this. You will never be totally fulfilled doing anything other than what God has called you to do. You cannot be fulfilled in any other way. You may, listen, money won't make you happy. It's a temporary band-aid on a root problem that's within your life. The reality is the only thing that will ever make anyone joyful and happy and fulfilled is doing the plan of God, fulfilling God's plan for their life. That's the only thing, amen? You know, in, in the fulfillment of dream. There is always a process. God restores a dream so that we can begin to pursue that and begin to go after that, embrace that. But with every dream, there's always a process. Everybody say process. You know, we don't like uh, 
particularly in our American culture where we're accustomed to add water and stir for everything, we don't like processes, right? I mean, if I go to McDonald's and it takes the lady more than two minutes to get to the counter, I'm gone. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Maybe, maybe some of you are okay waiting there 10 minutes, you know. As a matter of fact, we won't even usually go to a restaurant. If we go to a restaurant and I see a line there, I say, forget it. Because I don't like to wait. I'll be honest with you. As far as when it comes to food, I'm hungry. I want to eat now. Right? So I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't like to wait for things. And so we're just so accustomed. As a matter of fact, it, you know, I know there's a lot of people today we order on Amazon. Uh, and it's, it's gotten to where now... My, our oldest son and, of course, our daughter and our son-in-law, they still actually live there in Orlando, but they have same-day delivery now. You can order something on Amazon, and it will be at your doorstep within two hours. This is, this is, but this is the culture that we live in. Again, you, you can't go to Shoney sometime and get a meal that quick, but the reality is that you know, we, we have grown accustomed to this you know, very fast pace and get things automatically. And I want everybody to hear this. God has a process that is not on your timetable. Right? It's not on our, it's not on our timetable. He gives us a dream. But if you don't understand that there's a process in the fulfilling of that dream, what will happen is you'll get frustrated and you'll throw it away. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't throw away your dream just because you don't see things happening the way that you thought that it ought to happen or ought to take place. You know, Joseph, he was a man. Here, here's the, the quintessential example right here, Joseph. And we all know the story of Joseph. Joseph has this great dream. Joseph not only has a great dream, but then he goes and brags about his dream. He tells his brother's mistake. But nonetheless, you know, you got to be careful who you talk to about your dream. I'll just tell you that much. I, um, we won't go there this morning. But he received a promise through a dream. And, of course, within that dream, he saw the sheaves bowing down, his, his brother's sheaves uh, bowing down to his sheaves. And so, but then you know the story as it took place, it did not unfold in the way that Joseph probably thought that it was going to unfold. You know, one of the first things that happens is Joseph is thrown into a pit. Everybody say pit. As, and then his brother sold him into slavery, and he went to Potiphar's house. Everybody say Potiphar's house. And he's functioning there as a slave. Now, I'm sure that whenever Joseph had this dream, there was nothing in this dream about a pit. There was nothing in this dream about Potiphar's house. But yet, this is what's taking place. Don't you think that Joseph was probably things that were going on within his mind that we may not have written in the Bible, but I'm sure because he was a man. And as a matter of fact, Joseph didn't have it at his disposal what we have today. We got, the, we got the Bible. We got the promises of God. He's kind of flying blind. The only thing he's got to go on is the dream that he had. That's it. That's the only thing that he actually has is this dream. But I'm sure the Bible says that actually his dream was tested. But think about this. Hold it, God. Pit, this pit that I was thrown into, that wasn't in my dream. Potiphar's house wasn't in my dream. Well, the next thing you know, he's getting propositioned. Everybody say proposition. He's getting propositioned by Potiphar's wife as she attempts to seduce him, and then she lies about him. So now I went to the pit. 
I don't, there's no sheaves anywhere bound down to my sheaves. The Potiphar's house, there's no, nothing happening. What, still no dream being fulfilled. Now I'm being propositioned. There's still no dream being fil- fulfilled. She lies about him. And then where does he go? He goes to, goes to prison. So pit, not in the dream. Potiphar's house, not in the dream. Proposition, that's not in the dream. Prison is not in the dream. None of this is in the dream, God. But see, all of this was a part of the process to get Joseph where he needed to get to. Do you realize that sometimes what we may be thinking is a setback is only God setting us up for what he wants to fulfill within our lives. Amen? He gets into prison and he starts interpreting dreams. (laughs) And then he's passed over whenever the butler forgets about Joseph. Pit, not in the dream. Potiphar's house, not in the dream. Proposition, not in the dream. Prison, not in the dream. Passed over, it's not in the dream. And then there is a postponement. And so Joseph, get this, he has to wait for another two years. I mean, we get upset if we have to wait for two minutes. Joseph waits another two years after he interprets the butler's dream before breakthrough actually begins to happen. Then he goes from postponement to promotion. Joseph is made second in command in all of Egypt. From there, he then goes to prime minister. Everybody shout prime minister. You know, it's a long way from pit to prime minister, and it doesn't happen usually just like that. There is a process that we all go through. Now, hear this. I'm saying all that to say this. Regardless of what, where you're at in the process of the fulfillment of a dream, don't lose sight of the dream that God has for you. Don't let, don't let your vision be clouded. You've got to keep pressing ahead. And regardless of what's happening, you've got to understand this is a part of the process. I see it on the other side. I see the fulfillment fulfillment of it. I see the sheaves bound down to my sheaves. I know I'm in the pit right now, but I see the, are you following what I'm saying today? See, you've got to keep your eyes on the vision and the dream that God has for your life. See, if if what happens many times is we get our eyes focused on the process. We're looking at every step of the process. We're looking at the pain. We're looking at the adversity. We're looking at the challenges. Instead of looking at the promise, instead of looking at the vision, instead of keeping in mind the dream that God has for us. But even whenever Joseph became prime minister, you got to realize that that was only God's fulfillment to God positioning him for the actual fulfillment of the word of the Lord. Joseph went through all of this, get this, just so God could get him positioned for the fulfillment of a dream at the appointed time. And by the way, think about this. The fulfillment, you need to hear this. The fulfillment of Joseph's dream was not about the position that he held. It was about the salvation of his entire family. Think about it. It wasn't about him. It wasn't so he could say, oh, Tarzan, I'm the king of Egypt. I'm the big daddy. No, it was all about, I'm here for one reason. I went through every bit of this. Ooh, boy, this is strong. I went through every bit of this so that the very people that sold me into slavery could actually be saved by my hand. You know, I, I posted this the other day. The question for the church today is not, do you love Jesus, your Savior? It's, do you love Judas, your betrayer? You know, it's real easy to love Jesus. The question is, will you love your enemy? 
<laughs> well, I knew that would take, people would shout and throw money after hearing that. Praise the Lord. We don't want to do that, right? And to think about the fact that you're actually, what you're doing, what you're sowing in seed many times is going to be the very thing that will benefit, benefit the person that hated you the most. You got quiet in this Presbyterian church. You see, everything was just setting him up for a Kairos moment, for an appointed time that God had for him. Every dream, please hear this, has an appointed time in fulfillment. The reality is Joseph didn't need to be prime minister the moment that he went to Egypt. There wasn't a famine in the land. All this took place just so Joseph could get positioned. Why? So he could be a blessing to somebody else. Hear this. A true vision and a true, a true dream that God gives you will not be about you. It will be about others. It will always be for the purpose of helping others. See, a lot of times what happens is people have misplaced. They say they have a vision and dream, but really all they have is ambition. There's a big difference between fleshly ambition and actually a dream and a vision that God wants to release within your life. And we have to grab hold of the vision and the dream. Can I say this church is evident to me just in this short time of being with your pastors and seeing this, that this is the second time I've been to this church, actually. The first time I didn't minister, and that's a whole story. We came in, I don't it was like three years ago, four years ago, something like that. We were with some friends, some elder friends. Uh, uh, not they're, Actually, we're older than them, uh, so they're not really elders. But they're uh, board members of our church, and, uh, and we... Uh, we we, we, as soon as we got off the ship, we had to find something to rent and drive, figure out. I said, y'all want to go to church today? Hey, I know a good church in Key West. Let's go over there. And we came in, we had shorts on, and uh, every, probably everybody was looking at us, and who in the world are those crazy people coming in? And, you know, came, we got here late, and um, I got to hear Pastor Kevin talk about being late for church also. So it's just wonderful. But anyway, now I, I'm going somewhere with this. The, the reality is funny, but the, but the reality is this. This church is not about what can we do to build ourselves up and to make a name for ourselves. This church is about what can we do to be a blessing to this community. And so listen, all the processes, all the things you've been through, understand this. It's all about God fulfilling a plan that he has for this city God fulfilling a plan that he has for this region and this territory. And God's like poured you out into the community to be a blessing to them. Amen? But understand this, great reward. You know, I, I would say this in prophetic apostolic circles. We really, uh, let, me, let me back up. I was raised in a classical, traditional Pentecostal church. Um, I don't know if anybody... Under, has understanding of that, but I mean, it was hellfire and brimstone. You're going to hell. You, we don't want you to go to hell. We want you to go to heaven. Every song we sang had to do with going to heaven. I don't care. You know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Well, how about shouting the victory right now? Um, you know, we everything had to do with, and of course, the old favorite, I'll fly away. I don't know if anybody ever heard that one. And by the way, I'll fly away really is not about a song where Jesus is coming. It's about dying. And, uh, you know, I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away when I, yeah, that's right. When you die, hallelujah, by and by, 
I'll fly away. But we had ladies get excited about that, and they would, they would do what they call shout their hair down. And in our Pentecostal church, they would put up their hair in these bobby pins, and, and you know, they would start singing that song, and their heads would start jerking. And uh, there's only so much stress a bobby pin can handle. And then the bobby pins fly, hair comes down. I called it shouting their hair down. I'm serious. I am not playing. This really happened. And, uh, and so, I, that, now I said that, we, we always heard about heaven. We always heard about heaven and hell. Every service we heard about heaven and hell. Every, every message always had to do with, it always ended up with, you, you better get saved or you're going to hell, okay? And you need to go to heaven. You need to, you know, and, and that's true, right? We, we, we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven, amen? And, but, it, but the pendulum swung almost to this other side where we never even mentioned it any, any longer. And can, I just want just to, just to put in your computer and let, let it, also let it just digest in your spirit, you need to realize that everything that we do while we're here on earth, we are not laboring for an earthly crown. We are laboring for a heavenly crown. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If only in this life we have hope, then we are of all men most miserable. And so we have to realize as we are, whatever we're doing, we're not, we're, not, we're not laboring in the kingdom just for what we can see and what we can get while we are here on this earth. We're doing it because there's a reward. And I'll tell you, there's many things that you will do and many things that, many people that you will minister to that you will never see the reward of that, as they would say, on this side of glory. But there is a heavenly reward that awaits you because of your faithfulness. There's a heavenly reward that awaits you because you said, yes, Lord, I'm going to do your will. Amen? So I, I believe today that God is restoring your dream. I believe he's restoring your vision. I believe he's renewing your vision, causing things to come together. I believe that God is wanting you once again to begin to dream. Some of you, maybe you haven't dreamed for a long time. You know, and it's very easy just to get stuck in the minutia of daily living. You know, well, today's day, this is what I'm going to do, and then this is what I'm going to do. And that's kind of, that's, that's where we live. And I want you to understand, that may be where you're living, and it may be what you continue to do until the day you die. But understand this, you can still always have a dream that God has for you living on the inside of you. So in other words, whatever I'm doing, I'm not just doing because that's the daily task. I'm doing it because it's a dream that's alive on the inside of me. I'm doing it because that's God's vision for my life. I'm doing it because there's something more that God has for me in the way of, you know, fruitfulness that he's going to bring forth within my life. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning?